Good evening. Praise the Lord, everyone. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. I give honor to the Lord, my God. I give honor to my pastor. Thank you, sir, for entrusting me with this evening's service. Amen. Our podcast is doing well. We're at about 170 plays so far. Also, we just picked up our very first sponsorship as well. God has been good. It is a, a way of revenue. So with with every play, we get a, a certain amount being paid towards the church. Amen. So, you know, hey, it's a, it's a good vehicle. It is a good tool that we can use towards our building fund. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to be reading in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's going to be verses 4, 5, and 6. 2 Corinthians chapters 4, 5, and 6, written to the church in Corneth. So these are the born-again believers. These are people that have been born again of water and of spirit, not those that are in the world, but actual apostolic Christians. Amen. Those that have followed the apostles' doctrine. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4, 5, and 6, very familiar scriptures. Uh, now, we see this in uh, parentheses, though, so that means that it was written after the initial translation. But it, it fills in, and it, it fills in some concepts that really refine what the author was trying to say. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means it is not physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is the capability of your weapons of an apostolic to casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is the capability of the weapons that God has equipped you with. Amen. Now, this is where we are going to be focusing tonight in verse 6. And it says, and having in a readiness, 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 to revenge all disobedience. And that's original initial translation in the Greek. When your obedience is fulfilled. Having the readiness to revenge all disobedience with the weapons of our warfare. Amen. Tonight, can we close our eyes and lift our hands? Can we just begin to lift our voice as a community, begin to lift our voice as a collective? Can we begin to lift our voice as a body of believers born again of water and of fire? Begin to lift your voice, believing that God is going to do something here tonight. Lord God of Jacob, we thank you for your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you, God, for equipping us with the weapons of our warfare, God, that can tear down imaginations. God, to bring down strongholds. Uh, oh God, help us, oh Lord, uh, to master and to be ready with our weapons, oh Lord. We thank you, God, that you are the one that fights for us. Uh, as it says in Exodus, God, you are our man of war. Thank you, Lord God, for our, being our shield and our buckler. Oh God, have your way tonight in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Can we give the Lord a shout of praise uh, in this place? Amen. Tonight, you may be seated. I like to preach this particular thought, the mastery of my weapons. The mastery of my weapons. It reads in verse 4 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means that us as human beings, there is nothing that we can do to fight the spiritual warfare as human beings by ourselves. I could come to church every day. 
I could be in Sunday school. I could be in the ensemble. But that alone is not the weapons of my warfare. It is through God. I can go in there and pretend to fight the air and say, devil, I am punching you in the face, but that is not the weapon of my warfare. The weapons of my warfare are equipped when the Holy Ghost came. The gifts of the Spirit is my warfare. Praise is my warfare. Worship is my warfare. Submission to my pastor and God is my warfare. Obedience to the Word of God is my warfare. Amen. Lifting my voice uh, and praising the God of Israel is my warfare. Accessory prayer is my warfare. Knowing the word of God is my warfare. But we have to master it. We are fleshly human beings. In our walk with God, in our interaction with this walk with God, we are in a state of dichotomy. That means that we are polar opposites within ourselves. That means there's two sides to us that are incredibly different. There is the fleshly, the carnal, the man, the humanity, and then there is the spirit. We know that the flesh and the spirit are in constant war with each other. But us by ourselves, as it says in the Bible, faith without works is dead, but works alone does not save you. Works alone is not what gets you to heaven. Not just coming to church consistently by itself, even though it is obedience to the word of God, does not save you and that does not equip you for this warfare. There is a set of standards and a set of things that we need to master our warfare. Because the enemy, I'm here to tell you at one time or another, is going to come right into your household and attack you. And you've got to be ready for that battle. And if we do not have a mastery of the weapons of our warfare, we are in trouble. I, reading through this particular scripture, it reminds me of my days in the United States Army. Now, my particular job or MOS, I was a military police officer. I never saw the patrol car, never really arrested anybody. I was assigned to an infantry division, meaning that my job was fully combat. I did things that an infantryman did. And when I joined the Army, I said, man, I get to ride around in a pretty patrol car, and I'm a police officer. Man, I was excited until I got to basic and the reality hit. Oh, you're in combat. Oh, but, but the recruiter said a police car. And we learned that recruiters lie. And so I was assigned to a combat unit. My job was combat. And I learned an assortment of weapons. I had to have a mastery of the warfare that I was handled compared to other jobs in the army, and it's not to minimize the significance of their jobs, but other jobs in the army was not combat related. Those that were in these particular jobs only pulled out their weapons maybe twice a year, and then they were deployed to Iraq. Can you imagine the level of mastery that they were lacking? Can you imagine the level of proficiency that they were lacking in their weaponry, in their warfare? I remember being proficient in my M16 and my M4 and my 203 grenade launcher and my 249 squad automatic weapon and my 50 caliber machine gun, my Mark 19 grenade launcher. I would pull out my weapon three times a week and we would train and train and train and practice and practice and practice. Mastery is, was our objective. Being proficient with our weapons was our objective. We would learn our skills and how we would move with our trucks. We would learn every combat skill and standard operating procedure because when they said, now you are going to war, we were ready for it. 
I remember having to, having to interact with some of the soldiers that did not have our level of proficiency and how nervous they looked. Now, yes, I was scared, and I was praying. As I say, there is no atheist in a foxhole, but I was praying, Lord God, keep us safe. But those that did not have the experience, those that did not uh, have the training and the proficiency and the mastery, they were scared. I remember one guy who was an officer, and he was a staff officer, and he pulled out his weapon maybe once in two years. Can you imagine how I felt trying to stand next to him because he did not have his mastery? So I ended up protecting him because he did not have the mastery of his warfare. I remember him pulling out the M16, Sergeant Brown. Come here, because he didn't want to be embarrassed. Can you remind me how to operate this thing? I'm in downtown Baghdad. Sir, I got you. That's all you could say. I remember him loading it and flagging everybody, meaning he's putting his barrel over everybody like, sir, don't be pointing that at me, please. I remember hearing stories of a lack of proficiency in basic training. I, I remember seeing it on YouTube uh, several years ago, and it was, a, it was a soldier in basic training that was learning his weapon. But before you even get out to the range, if I'm not correct, Elder, you practice it. You get familiar with that weapon. You're intimate with that weapon. You know the functionality of the weapon. You know the effective range of that weapon. And I remember seeing this on YouTube many years ago when I was uh, in the Texas National Guard. And it was a soldier that was sitting in the prone position. And he's like, Drill Sergeant, Drill Sergeant, I have no, I have no bullets, Drill Sergeant. And so the Drill Sergeant's like, you telling me you have no bullets? I don't have any bullets, Drill Sergeant. He looks down. He goes, Joe. You put your magazine upside down. What, Sergeant? That is a lack of proficiency. That is a lack of mastery. You could ask Brother Scotty. You could ask anybody. It is because of the mastery that I was required when I was in the Army, and it's been several years. You give me any one of those weapons, it's a muscle memory that takes over because it is a mastery. I remember when I got out of the Army and I did my very first resume, I was so proud of myself. I was trying to apply to various security firms, and I listed all the weapons I was proud of. I'm like, man, look at this. And then I remember applying to KISD for a substitute teacher. My wife says, you remember. See, she's laughing. She's like, babe, you probably should take the weapons off. I said, I want to make sure these kids are safe. But there was a, lot, there was a mastery that I had. I remember Brother Scotty can contest to it. We went out and we shot his AR-15, which is an M4 platform, and I picked it up just as if it was yesterday because there was a proficiency and a mastery. And see, this is what God desires from you when it comes to the weapons of your warfare. He doesn't want you to be the one that pulls out of the arms room twice a year. He doesn't want you to be the one that maybe pulled it out two years ago and you're having to ask people, how does this thing work? The Bible says that you have to die daily. You have to pick up your cross daily. You've got to repent daily. You've got to pray daily. You've got to learn the mastery of your weapons. It's not just coming to church. It's not just being faithful alone in that, even though that is imperative. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual. And it says that we have to have a readiness in our weapons to avenge disobedience. That means the things of this world, and that means sin. God wants you to be proficient. God wants you to have a mastery of your warfare and a mastery of your weapons. 
thinking about military history, thinking about in the time of history, there was a weapon that was legendary amongst all the Middle Ages and medieval times, and that was the English longbow. Man, I am telling you, that was feared with all the enemies of England at the time. The English longbow had the capability of reaching 400 yards effectively. That's four football fields that an archer could reach out and touch the enemy. It was known to be a 100 to 180-pound draw and had the capability with its arrow to penetrate plate armor of a knight. But they didn't get to the point by just picking it up. They were a master of their warfare. They were a master of the art of war. They were a master of their weapon. They were very proficient with it. Amen. And God requires us to be proficient and to grow and have a mastery with the things of this walk with God, not just picking it up twice a year. Amen. In the 1300s, the king of England put out a proclamation and a mandate, which is still on the law today. Still in England's law today. It was a mandate. The king said that every boy to every man, starting at the age of 10 to the age of 60, was required to build a longbow. Now, if you were rich, guess what? Everything was bought for you. If you were aristocracy, you had all the cool armor, the swords, and the weapons. But the peasants at the time were called into the army. And they said, okay, you can't afford the armor, but this is what I want you to do. You're going to go to a yew tree, a yew tree in the midst of England. And you're going to tear up that yew tree, and you're going to take a save of wood, and you're going to turn it into a bow. And you're going to string it. Fathers, I want to teach your sons. I want you to teach your sons how to be proficient with this weapon. You've got to make your own arrows with goose feathers. You've got to make your own broadheads. You've got to make your own weapons. But you're going to learn the intimacy of your weapon. You're going to learn how to be precise with your weapon. You're going to know every inch of that weapon. You're going to study to show thyself approved with that weapon. Because with the lack of knowledge, people are destroyed. Amen. And so this was a mandate that they would have to build a bow from the age of 10 to 60. And they would practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. And he even went further, Pastor. And the king says, I've got to get an army that is ready for the battle. I've got to get an army that is ready to defend themselves. And so he made the mandate that after church, every Sunday... That particular village and that particular community would get together as, with all the longbowmen and they would practice for two hours. They were required to practice as a community, as a people, as a collective, and as an army for two hours straight. He even said as, as we went on to the Edwards and the, the Henrys and Henry VIII, he said, you know what? I'm even going to ban tennis and I'm even going to ban uh, soccer because it's a distraction to the warfare. So they would practice and practice every two hours after church. Praise God. They went to the church. They sang the Gregorian chant, which was middle-aged songs at the church. You could look it up. You could listen to it. And then they would go and practice in the courtyard. Uh, as I said, it is even on the books today that there was a mayor of a particular shire that even wanted to mess with the population. Even today, just last year, and she said, you are required to meet for archery practice. It was in the news on the BBC. It's still on the books. And so as time progressed, you had an army that was proficient. 
that studied to show thyself improved, that was a mastery of their weapons. And so as time progressed, we went into what was called the Hundred Years War. By the way, those that are still in high school, this will be on the star test. The Hundred Years War was not just 100 years, it was 116 years. That was a freebie, by the way. Don't tell the state of Texas. But the Hundred Years War was between England and France. It was on and off. It was just a battle for territory. There were two battles with these longbows that were incredibly famous. And so uh, King Edward III got together all his archers. He brought in 10,000 archers. The archers knew their weaponry. The archer knew the skill of their weapons. The archer knew the proficiency of their, of their weapons. They knew how to get together as a community, as a collective. They understood the importance of unity. Because a house divided will not stand. Unity brings a people together. There is victory in unity and not division. Amen. And so one of the famous battles, there's two prominent battles during the Hundred Years' War that was famous. The first one was August 26, 1346, the Battle of Crecy, which is a city just off the coast of France. Edward III came in with his 4,000 knights, and he believed in his longbowmen that he brought 10,000 with him. They began to move through France, and then they were standing against the French armor knights. They were standing against approximately 35,000 French armor knights. Now, you have to understand that these knights had no unity. It was a bunch of different leaders that got together and said, hey, let's just go fight the English, and they were confident. These archers knew exactly what to do. They began to prepare their areas of combat. They put spikes in front of them so they wouldn't be run over by the horses. They were proficient. They'd been practicing since they were 10 on the weapons of their warfare. When the enemy came in like a flood, they were ready for it. They weren't guessing when it was time. They weren't searching in the midst of their battle for an answer. They knew that the answer was in the weapons of their warfare. So as that battle progressed, the French had crossbowmen that began to go in, and those crossbowmen were just hired assassins. They were just hired mercenaries, and they didn't have shields. So the longbowmen who just practiced after church began to just take out the crossbowmen. It, it was said that the, the longbowmen could put 6 to 12 arrows out every minute. So can you imagine 10,000 archers shooting 6 to 12 arrows every minute? One historian said that there were so many arrows it looked like it was snowing. So the crossbowmen died and ran off. They were killed by the French. The French were so disgusted. And so just like our devil, just like the enemy, so confident, so pious... So full of pride, the French said, we're just going to run them over. And so as it was going, the French armored cavalry began to hit the mud, and then they begin to get stuck. And then the archers just begin to do what they knew their weapon of their warfare was, and they begin to shoot. Well, the knights were covered in armor, but the horses weren't. So the horses would die, and the knights would fall with 100 pounds of arrows, and they would just keep letting go of the arrows. They'd keep reloading and keep firing because they were proficient. They didn't have to guess. They didn't have to struggle. They went right to the word. They went right to that weapon. And so the French were getting frustrated. They were getting so frustrated that they said, we're just going to run them over. So they began to charge them 16 more times, but the English longbowmen just kept firing. As I said, they could shoot through armor. 
the knights were struggling. They were dying. So 16 times that they were going. The archers were so good that they even killed their leaders. They killed the prince of the cities. And so at the end of that particular battle, the French lost 14,000 and ran away. And the British only lost a couple hundred because they were proficient in their warfare. They were proficient and a master of their weapons. Many of us, the enemy is going to come our way. Many of us, the enemy is going to come like a flood. And that's why we have to prepare ourselves. The book of Ephesians focuses on us perfecting our faith, perfecting our walk with God, perfecting the walk with Jesus. But if we are in the same place we were when we were baptized, we're going to get run over. That's why we have, in my 16 years of living for God, we have people that are zealous and excited and full of charisma, and in a moment's flash, they backslide because they have not perfected their weaponry. When the enemy comes in intimate, they're searching for scripture. They're searching for faith. They're searching for the weapons of the warfare, but they left it in the arms room. Consistency in walking this, running this race with patience is because we perfected our weaponry. Many of us have been through battles that our armor is just beat down. Many of us, our bowstrings have been broken, but we know our weapons well enough that we pick up the bow and we string it again. Amen. We have to perfect our warfare. We have to be a master at our warfare. We can't stay in the state of being a novice. Amen. We can't be the Joe that's in basic training that pits his magazine upside down. We have to perfect. If we've lived for God more than a day, we've got to perfect and we've got to grow. We've got to mature. We've got to learn his word. We've got to learn the weapons of our warfare. We've got to learn the gifts of our spirit. We've got to begin to set away that dichotomy of the flesh. Otherwise, we're going to die spiritually. And we've seen it. Pastor's been talking about it. It is a lack of perfection and mastery of our weapons. It says a readiness, a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Amen. Going into another battle in the, in the Hundred Years' War, the Battle of Angicor, October 25th, 1415. Henry V, which was the king at the time, they were caught in the open. They lacked food. They were caught amongst fifteen to 20,000 French knights. Again, you would think the French would learn the first time. And the knights said that we're just going to run you down. It's only 5,000 against fifteen to 20,000. Henry V said, well, we're going to fight to the death because I'm the king of England. He understood the mastery of his weapons. He understood the mastery of his warfare. And so 5,000 against fifteen to 20,000, and the battle began. Same scenario, mud. You would think the knights would learn. And the longbowmen being tired, running out of food, going to the, the middle of it, but they leaned on the mastery of their warfare. They were running out of food. They were running out of arrows. They were running out of emphasis. They were tired, but they leaned on the weapon of their warfare to get them through the battle because it just wasn't on them, but it was them operating in unity with the mastery of our weapons. Amen. And so... The French knights begin to go, and they were getting caught in the open. It's the same scenario. The longbowmen begin to drop the knights over and over again. The, unfortunately for the French knights at the time, 
out of the 15 to 20,000, they lost 12,000 due to the archers. And the British only lost a couple hundred. It inspired so many people that even William Shakespeare wrote Henry V. God is ready, ready to write your battle. The weapons of our warfare, how we defeat the enemy is the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. But if we don't perfect, we don't perfect our weapons, we don't create a testimony. If we don't protect our, uh, perfect and master our skills as apostolics, we don't create a testimony. Faith, obedience, submission. Amen. One last thing, too, with the Hundred Years' War, and then we're going to go on. That the French knights despised the archers in such a way, detested them because of how good they were with their weapons. Just like every demon in this city, every demon that's come through this church is so despises you, hates you so much that in the Hundred Years' War, that when an archer was captured, that the French knights would literally cut the fingers off the archers to take away the capability of their warfare and then send them back because they knew that they were not effective anymore. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. Each of you have a skill set in this kingdom. Each of you has a particular weapon in this kingdom. But if we don't master it, it will be plucked from us. Amen. I think about young David before he was king, standing before a Philistine giant, standing before the thousands of Philistines. And before he went to that, he spoke to his king, King Saul. And he said, nobody's going to fight. Nobody's willing to fight. And he's trash-talking our God. Nobody's willing to fight, but I am. So King Saul said, okay, lad, I don't know if this is the best idea, but you go ahead and go out. So he offered him his helmet. David said no. Hey, here's, here's my armor. David said no. That's not my weapon. Here's my sword. That's not my weapon. See, this is what I'm thinking with the children of Israel. They unified for the first time in years. Why didn't they fight the giant? Well, they were scared. But Brother Pastor Luna brought it up, which the Bible talks about. They just formed their weapons. They just created their weapons with the blacksmiths. They didn't have a mastery of their warfare. They didn't know their weapons, Pastor. That would scare me. But David knew his weapon. David was a master of that sling, and it was battle proven. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. What can you kill with your warfare? See, God has equipped you to do great and mighty things in this kingdom, but he's requiring of you to practice with them. Amen. David brought down a giant because he was a master of his weapon. It was God behind that stone, but he was a master of his weapon. But we got to stop trying to pick up the weapons that are not ours. We've got to stop picking up weapons that were not assigned to us. But you've got to master the weapon that God has given you. Praise is your weapon. Is it in the arms room? Worship is our weapon. Is it in the arms room? Many of you are intercessor prayers. Prayer warriors. God says master it. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit is waiting to be unleashed, but we haven't built up to perfect it and to master it. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, but if we don't study, 
We don't learn how to wield it. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. A work may not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. It even says in Proverbs that without knowledge, the people are destroyed. How can I know the heart of God if I don't know the word of God? How can I learn the aspects of God if I don't know the word of God? How can I learn this warfare if I don't know the word of God? If I don't pray, if I don't fast, if I don't know the things that God asked me to do, I am waiting to be killed in battle. Each of you have done great things in this kingdom. Amen. But it requires a perfection. It requires a maturity. Because statistically, here one minute, gone the other because there's not a perfection. Zeal one day, excitement one day, backslid the other because there's a lack of perfection. And that could happen to any of us. If I put my weapons away and pack it in the shed, I'm not going to be ready when the attack comes. And I know that pastor's been there. Pastor, tell me what to do. What's he say? Look in the word of God. Go back to your weapon. Amen. How are you to know the pit on the whole armor of God unless we prepare and to study? Amen. God is asking us to do great things, and we're going to go into battles that we've never experienced before because we're fixing to upset what the enemy has established. See, the enemy has cut the fingers off of some of us apostolics because it takes away your capability. What has God asked you to do, but we've put it down? What is God pushing you to do, but we've put it down? We are at risk of losing a battle. The enemy is going to come right into our living rooms. How are we going to fight? The enemy is going to come right into this church. How are we going to fight? The enemy is going to try to take us out one by one. How are we going to fight? The mastery of my warfare. With my weapons, as I master it, we could bring down strongholds. We could tear down imaginations. Amen. One of us that has mastery could put a thousand to flight. Not in my carnality. Not in my capability, but in God. In the mastery of the things that are spiritual. Two could put 10,000 to flight. Three could put 100,000. But we can if we don't have mastery. Unity in this church. One mind and one accord in this church. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Operating as a community. Oh, God, show us the way. Amen. I remember the first time that I prayed for somebody, and I prayed for a deliverance of them to be delivered from a demon. It didn't come with staying in the place I was when I was first born again. It took years of being taught by my pastor. It took years being obedient and submissive to my pastor. It took prayer. It took fasting, just as Jesus said. This comes by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is a mastery of your weapon. It took learning the word of God. It took God, give me discernment. Refine my weaponry. Sharpen my sword. Prepare my arrows. And we wonder, God, how am I going to have my child saved? Master your weapon. How are the backsliders going to come back? Master your weapon. How are we going to see a revival? Master your weapons. Amen. Can we stand to our feet tonight and give the Lord a shout of praise? Uh, let it be uh, a war cry in this place. Uh, unity is the only way we succeed. Let us fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Excellent message. Daughter, come on. Excellent, excellent, excellent message. Very timely.
Very timely. Every single one of us needed to hear that. Every one of us are missing fingers. Might be one. Might be all ten. What have you and I allowed the devil to cut away from us that we have been given by God to fight the adversary of our soul? Over the past several weeks, God has been trying to encourage us to come back to where many of you know you should be. In prayer and worship, out loud. Not everybody has that weapon. But many of you that have it, you're not consistent in it. You're not proficient in it anymore. And you need to, we all need to, practice. You're not going to probably agree with all of this, but you learn how to pray through practice. If you're not praying at home out loud, you won't pray here out loud. You learn by practice. Let's use another word. You use by doing it. How about other things? Singing. Witnessing. Teaching. I'm just going to go on just a little bit longer because... There's some things God has dealt with me about. Your thoughts. That's really what the enemy has placed there to cut away the things that you have been at one time in your life powerful in. Because you've allowed your thoughts to cut it out. And only you can get it back. Some of us, our language... Some of us have got entangled with the things of this life. Finances. Relationships. Association. Some of us have got addicted to technology. Games. Computer things. Cell phones. I'm trying to get each of you to think about not the other, but yourself. I'm thinking of me. When he was preaching, I was thinking of me. I like having team figures. <laughs> he told us a lot of things about history I didn't know. But that was wise. The enemy taking... And cutting off the fingers of someone that was very proficient with their weapon against him, he couldn't pull the bow. Right. What have you allowed? The enemy didn't take it. We've allowed him. Amen. He has deceived us. Amen. He has lied to us because it's difficult or because things don't go the way we want or it's been a long time. War is not over until Jesus comes. Amen. There is no truce with the devil. 
That's right. There is no peace agreement with the devil. Amen, 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 amen. When you were born again, you were put in warfare. And God expects us to be proficient. He expects us to train. He expects us to understand, to be, what does the Bible say? Endure hardness as a good soldier. Amen. What did Jesus tell the soldiers when people were asking, what do I do? What should I do? Do your duty. Amen. Amen. So what is our duty? We each have a place. That's right. Each of us. Amen. Not all are fervent worshipers. Mm-hmm. Not all of us are shouters. Mm-hmm. Not all of us are singers. Mm-hmm. But some of us that were in these places, you're no longer there. Because you've allowed circumstances of life Mm -hmm. to convince you Mm -hmm. that you can't do it anymore. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. But I know a God tonight that has spoken to us. Yes, he has. Cast off. Thank you, Jesus. The works of darkness. Cast off those things that weigh us down. Cast off evil imaginations. Every high thought that exalted itself against God. We've got to really come to an understanding that we are the greatest force on the planet. There is nothing more powerful than the church of the living God. There is no devil that has more authority than you and I have got. There is nothing that he can do to stop us if we do not believe his lies. You got to press when you don't feel like pressing. Amen. You got to pray when you don't feel like praying. And if you've got that ministry of praying out loud in these altars in worship... You need to set the example that others that have it can come forth so they don't feel alone. And those that don't, you keep doing what God called you to do. Amen. It's amazing to me, a church of this size, Mm -hmm. that we do not have people that are in a place with God that at times when God is moving cannot give the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. That really surprises me. Amen. Is that the finger you lost? Is it because you're scared? We're family. This, this, I've said it over and over again. This is the place to, when the Lord is moving, to step out by faith and let me, even after the service, to help you, to help you hone that gift, to tell you, okay, that was good, but this you could do better. That was not the right time. I can help you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every gear of the machine Mm -hmm. has to be working. That's right. Every gear. 
We have young people here that are going to have gifts, but if they don't see the example of it, how would they know how to be proficient? Right, right. Tonight was a beautiful message. Daughter, Amen. play something. I hope that someone comes and begin to ask God, God, I know what you've done with me in the past. I know how you used me in the past. God, help me to press back there. Sing, daughter.